0: The following recording is from the Parramatta Christian Church pulpit series. These sermons are freely available at pcc.org.au. It is my privilege this morning to be able to speak and to share. Um, I am excited about what God's put on my heart for us this morning. And um, I I just want to pray that... And this is how we've been praying as a staff, but also I've been praying this week that God's already been preparing your heart before you got here to hear what he has to say to you. So even though I'm speaking, it's, it's a general thing, I'm, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will take one or two things and really make it solid in your heart and really make it resonate in your heart so that we can live it. Because the whole point with these sermons and these talks is that we can hear, we can be transformed and then we can go be and do. So I'm praying this morning that that's what will happen. So this is the last week of our series of um, kingdom generosity Um, and we're going to talk about hospitality this week. Hospitality is very dear to my heart, so I was very excited to be able to pick the straw, this particular straw. Um, when we think about hospitality, you know, we can think about a whole bunch of things. Uh, it's, it's, you know, just food. There's always food involved when it's hospitality, uh, and cleaning up, and, um, but then there's also so now we, we can think about travel and, and accommodation and, you know, it's like a big thing, you know, tourism and hospitality kind of go together. So, if we think about it in our global um, society, really, if, you do, if a country does hospitality well, then tourism in that country is boom, booming and, and that's on a global scale. But in a church context, often we can confine it to our morning teas or our afternoon teas or our lunches after a church event um, or even having people over to our house. But, you know, as I was reading and and learning and and thinking about this, uh, I just understood for the first time in my life that it's so much bigger than that. It's so much more expansive than that. And the interesting thing is kingdom hospitality is what we're called to practice and live and and share. And and just at its core, kingdom hospitality is a selfless practice that's others-centered. It's about inviting other people to your space. It's about uh, pursuing relationship For the sake of relationship, it's about offering nourishment and and safety and community without expecting anything in return, no agenda. Because you know why I came to this conclusion, how I came to this conclusion? Because when I read the Bible, I see that's how God is. That's, That's God, and that's the whole story of the Bible, if we think about it and if we look at it. You know, the first time that we went to Kenya, which was in 2014, we've never been. As a family, the four of us, we, we were going to Kenya. We had to stay in Nairobi for, for two days and uh, two nights, and we, we knew no one there. But the, the, the most impacting thing for me in that trip, one of the most impacting things was that those two days in Nairobi, there was a family that took us in. They didn't know us. We could have been axe murderers for all they knew, you know. Uh, They didn't know us. And there was a lot of stuff happening in Kenya at the time with bombings and and people um, just, you know, doing crazy things in Nairobi at that time. But this couple, they took us in. They made time in their schedule to look after us. They made room in their house for us, for four of us. It, It wasn't a house that was very big, but they made and they fed us. They, they took us places. That, to me, is kingdom hospitality, when you can invite a stranger and, and share your possessions and your, invite them into your space, provide safety and nourishment and care. And they were not expecting anything in return. They counted it a privilege. We, we weren't doing anything for them. Um, and that's, that's what I want to challenge us about today. So in, in my um, study I, I, and reading, uh, there, I discovered that there's three things we can talk about as far as kingdom hospitality is concerned. And the first thing that I want to look at is that God invites us into his space. If we think about it, you know, he created the heaven and the earth. And, and the sun, moon, and the stars, and the birds, and the fish, and the animals, and, and everything in it. He created a space for us to live in, in his space. And he made sure it was good. Everything we need, he provided for us. And how incredible is that? And um, from Genesis to Revelations, we see that that is the whole idea of God wanting us to come home. God wanting to create a home is creating a home for us, has created a space for us, just wanting to bring us back to where he is, to the place where he is. And we we, we saw that and we learned that last year. Um, and as we come into even the end, so in Genesis we see creation and God's how God invited us into his space. But then in in. Revelation, we see the same thing. So if we can look at the scriptures in Revelation 21, verse 3 to 5, it says, um, And I heard, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. We heard about that this morning. (laughs) And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things, which is the here and now, has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So this is what we have to look forward to. If this wasn't enough for us, we have a better place to look forward to. And then in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 7, Jesus says to his disciples, it says he's comforting his disciples just hours before he was crucified. And he says, do do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have not told you? But I'm going, to, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the place where I'm going. And then, of course, Thomas had to say, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And so not only did God invite us to his space, his space but now he's made a way for us to, to be with him forever. Not just here and now, but forever. And because God has created an in, this space for us and invited us, into this space, we need to do the same for other people. What does this look like for us? I'm going to be a little bit different to how some of the other guys preach in that I'm going to talk about how we can put these things into practice as we go along with each point. So if you're taking notes, this is the application part. So in our personal lives, in our personal lives, We've been talking about radiating Jesus. We've been talking about how we can do that. Well, one of the ways that we can do that is just to invite people into our space, wherever we are, you know, in your neighbourhoods, in our our workplaces, in our schools, in our unis, in school, you know, why not this week, for, for the people that are still going to school this week, why not invite some people that you don't normally have sitting in your group come and sit with you? Or... Or go and sit with them. That's going into their space. But, you know, create a new space where you can invite them into. At uni, why don't you be the connection point between that overseas student or that interstate student that doesn't know anybody? Maybe you're on holidays by now, but think about that for next semester. You know, in your neighbourhood, you can invite someone over for coffee. Even the annoying neighbour that keeps you up late Invite them for dinner, for coffee. Invite them into your space, and if you're a a, a a mom or a dad that is at home during the week looking after kids, like go to the play. When you go to the playgroup, speak to a different mom or dad. Do you know? Talk to a different person at the school event, not the people that you know that you're comfortable with. That's how you invite people into your space. And as a church, how can we do that? Well, when we come here every Sunday, we are really good at inviting people into this building and being friendly and being warm and welcoming. But I'd really love to respectfully challenge each of us let's invite people into our space of friendship. Let's invite people that we don't normally have coffee with to have coffee with us after the service. Do you know, we have a great system here with connect groups, and we love our connect groups, but often we're drawn to our connect group buddies over morning tea because it's safe, because we have to catch up with them. But you know what? I'd love to challenge us as a church. Connect group time is to spend time with your connect group buddies, and those friendships will grow. But when you come to church, don't hang out with your connect group buddies. Meet someone you've never met before. Have coffee with someone that you don't really know that well. Invite them into your space because God's done that for you. And and can I challenge you, if you've been here for more than a year, remember when you were new. I'm shy is not an excuse because if the people were shy when you were new, where would you be right now? So step outside of your comfort zone. And, and make connections with people. Invite them into your space because God's done that for us. Let's be inclusive, not exclusive. Uh, inviting other people into our space is great. You know, it's wonderful. But it's a bit awkward when you've invited them and you're just standing around looking at each other going, hmm. That doesn't embody kingdom hospitality. It's a bit shallow, actually. It's easy. The second step that I've discovered about God is when God invites us into his space, he has relationship with us for the sake of relationship. He loves us. You know, one of our deepest needs as human beings is to be known, is to be, have intimacy with even just one other person. And when God said, let's create in our image, he wanted not just people, but he he was really wanting people to experience the intimacy and the connection that he shares with the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity already shared that and had that, and that's what he was wanting to share and give out. But he also created us with the aim that we would share that intimacy with him that we would be in connection with him in that way because only he can offer true intimacy. I mean, we've all been hurt, right? We've made ourselves vulnerable. We've put ourselves out there. We've been hurt. We've been betrayed. We've been sold out, chucked under the bus. But there's also those relationships that have paid well, that have given us high returns where there's security, where there's safety, where there's intimacy, where, there's, where they just love you and know you for you. There was no agenda. And so what I want to say is these relationships are not easy. These kind of relationships are not easy. Even for God, it cost God something to provide the kind of intimacy the kind of relationship that would bring us into intimacy with him. It cost him his son. And for Jesus, it cost temporary separation from his father, who he'd shared absolute intimacy and oneness with. And if that wasn't enough, when Jesus went back to heaven, we've been given the Holy Spirit as our advocate, as someone that's going to walk alongside us, and, and have an intimate relationship with us and point us the way back home and lead us the way back home. So relationship for the sake of relationship is not an easy task, but because God has done that for us and God has invited us into that, we can do the same. And you know what? Paul encourages us to do the same in Philippians chapter 2, he says this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if we call ourselves Christians and followers of Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Here we go. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ, Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the cross. It costs. It costs to care about other people and give them the opportunity to be known just for the sake of being known. And so... What, how can we live this out? It's not easy. But you know what? It starts with the confidence that we are known by Jesus himself. If we feel and, and are known by Jesus, then we can pass that on. Because we can only pass on what we've experienced, right? You, can't, you can only pretend for so long. People will get on your nerves and you will lose patience, and you won't have time for people. But if Christ is living in us and through us, then like 1 John says, he says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That we might live through him. Not live in our own strength, but we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. He invited us into his space and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He made a way for relationship. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I rest my case. So that's personally. How do we do this as a church? Before I talk about how we do this as a church, let me read you a story. Um, There was a prosecuting attorney in a small town courthouse and he called his first witness, an elderly woman, to the stand. He approached her and asked, Mrs. Jones, do you know me? She responded, why, yes, I do know you, Mr. Williams. That's what it says here. (laughs) I've known you since you were a young boy and frankly, you've been a big disappointment to me. You lie, you cheat, you manipulate people and talk about them behind their backs. You think you're a rising big shot, but you haven't the brains to realise you will never amount to anything more than a two-bit paper pusher. Yes, I know you. The lawyer was stunned, not knowing what else to do. He pointed across the room and asked, Mrs Jones, do you know the defence attorney? She replied, why, of course I do. I've known Mr Bradley since he was a youngster too. I used to babysit him. And he, too, has been a real disappointment to me. He's lazy, bigoted, has a drinking problem. The man can't build a normal relationship with anyone. And his law practice is one of the shoddiest in the entire state. Yes, I know him. At this point, the judge wrapped the courtroom to silence and called both lawyers to the bench. In a very quiet voice, he said, with menace. If either of you ask her if she knows me, I'll hold you both in contempt of court. So the point, the point of this story is let's not be like the lawyers or the judge. In making ourselves vulnerable to other people, we are going to bring exposure into the imperfectness of our human nature. And that's okay because that's who we are. But in Christ, we can be new creations. We can live the way Jesus wants us to live and minimize the amount of exposure. So as a church, how can we be committed to to relationship for the sake of relationship? You know what? One of the things that I think would be the easiest, yes, the hardest thing to do is to reach out to people that are not like us, people that don't think like us, people that don't look like us, people that don't look at the world like we do. When we reach out to these people and we say, well, we don't say, but we treat them and we want to give them an opportunity just to be known for who they are, They, they value that because they too, like us, are looking for intimacy. They're looking for connection. They're looking to be known. And remember, if God has created us in his image, then they too have that deep desire to be known. And yet they don't know that really who they're wanting to be known by is God. But you, as God's image bearer and representative, can be that channel and radiate Christ in that way. So that's how we can do that as a church. But a word of caution. (laughs) There's always a word of caution. Because, you know, I don't want people these beautiful people here and our our other beautiful, beautiful people that are going to be here, to be running ragged, going, we need to be in relationship. We need to make ourselves vulnerable and be doormats and be exploited and be used and abused. No, that's not what I'm saying. Boundaries are very important. Wisdom is very important. Discernment is very important. You know, so for example, if you're going to... Cultivate relationships with people. Stick to people of your own sex, for starters. That's one caution. Keep in mind that you're always pointing people to Jesus. You're not doing it. It's about pointing people to Jesus, whether by your words or your action. And you set clear, strong boundaries. Even Jesus, if you think about it, even Jesus. He did a whole bunch of things. But there was only 12 people that he really spent a lot of time with, that he invested into, that that were known by him and were known by each other as a group of people. So we have the opportunity between people at church and people outside of church that we have relationship with regularly to, to pick just a handful of people And give them the opportunity to be known. So the third point that we're up to is the last aspect of kingdom hospitality. God offers us nourishment and safety and community without expecting anything in return. So he's invited us into his space and he's made a way for us to know him and to have intimacy with him and if that wasn't enough he offers us nourishment and safety and community not expecting anything really in return he's taken the initiative and a beautiful beautiful depiction of this is psalm 23 i mean i'd love for you to go home as as part of your meditation today and read psalm 23 You know, the psalmist is saying, I lack for nothing because my shepherd looks after me in every season, whether it's restful and quiet, whether it's dark and fearful, whether it's, whether I'm feeling innocent or condemned, whether there's a lot or whether there's little, I lack for nothing. And that's what God does for us. And, and even more than the psalmist those of us that are living here and now today after the event of the cross we can say we lack for nothing in jesus we have everything we need in jesus more than what we need and and this is how god shows us his generosity and his hospitality You know, in in all the other religions that I can think of, when you are doing something, when you're offering food or safety or anything, you're doing anything good, there is a motive. It's because you're storing up credits for the next life. I remember my grandmother, who was a Hindu, used to tell me off. I hate cockroaches. Anyone that knows me knows that I hate cockroaches. Any creepy crawly, but cockroaches in particular. And my grandmother said, don't kill the cockroach. Why? Because I could be one of those in the next life. So it's like I could be killing someone's auntie if I killed a cockroach. I'm sorry, but, you know, that's not why we do good. That's not why we, we want to be kind and, and, and offering people Kingdom hospitality. We do it because we have been given the greatest treasure. We have been given more than what we could ever ask for. In Matthew 13, verse 44 to 46, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. The idea is we can give away everything and be absolutely generous and hold nothing back because we have the greatest treasure in Jesus, the pearl of great price. In some ways, we are storing up treasure in heaven. But our treasure is already there. You know, I know people talk about mansions and crowns and jewels and, you know, I don't know. We might get those, we might not. But we don't need those. That's not what heaven is about. Heaven is about being where God is and and being with Jesus because he is our greatest treasure. And we already have deposit of that. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven to have Jesus and experience the treasure and the comfort and the joy and the provision that Jesus brings into our life. And so because of that, we can give freely. We can offer nourishment and safety and community to others in our space, in our world, because God hasn't held anything back from us. You know, there's this story that I read this week, just popped up in an unusual news feed for me. And it was about this family that was separated in Sudan with the war. And so the wife and three kids, uh, wife, two kids, and she was already pregnant with one, had to go to America as a refugee. and And the father could not come. And because all the marriage papers were destroyed in the conflict, he was deemed to be a single man, and so was in the back of the processing queue. Anyway, this lady with her two children and, and the baby found herself in a place where there were refugees in, um, in Texas, I think, somewhere in Texas, and basically came into contact with a couple of people from a church, local church, two other mums, and they just made a connection with her and they felt for her because she was going to have a baby and they looked after her and they just loved her. So then they challenged their connect group and they said, come on, we've got to do something. So they didn't just reach out to this lady now, they went to the complex that she was living in and they did like winter jacket drives, they did Thanksgiving dinners, they did uh, cookouts I mean, I'm thinking they're like barbecues where they just have barbecues once a month or whatever. And, and the community, they were starting to affect a community as a connect group. And then they, all the while, they're working on seeing if they can get this husband to America to be reunited with the family. What was in it for those two ladies? Nothing. But they didn't give up. Four years. Four years, they showed love and they worked hard with immigration, with with whatever. And finally, they were reunited as a family. But what I wanted to read to you is the mission statement of this church or this community, this organization that they were a part of. Our mission at the North Hill is to glorify God and spread the gospel. Sounds a bit like our mission statement, doesn't it? To the ends of the earth by seeking to build gospel-centered relationships, Lewis talked about this last week, and fostering gospel-centered community, primarily for them in the refugee um, population in Fort Worth. We aim to share the gospel in word and deed and to seek justice by engaging God's people who are often unseen and neglected. Our goal is to serve these beloved families with grace-filled excellence that reflects the love and care of Jesus. That was their motive. It challenges me. It challenges me when people are willing to give everything they have and serve for no other reason other than to see the gospel of Jesus displayed in love and action. Because Jesus has done that for us. While we were yet sinners, while we were his enemies, he invited us into his space. He made a way for us to have relationship and intimacy with him. And in the process now, he nourishes us, he Provides for us in the presence of our enemies he provides a banquet table for us so that and he anoints our head with oil why wouldn't we share this love with other people and I think as a church we do this very well There's so many people here that can testify, past and present, of how they've been clothed, how they've been fed, how they've been helped. Can I challenge us as a church just to go one step further? Let's not just do it in action and practical sense. Because you know what? Even the other religions do that. One of the ways that we can go the next step is to provide nourishment with our words, build people up, to provide safety for emotional and and, and physical, people that are experiencing emotional and physical breakdown and provide community with no agenda. People are loved for the sake of being loved. I think I've spoken enough now. And I pray, I really pray that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. Jesus instructed his disciples on every detail in how to prepare the Passover meal. He served them by washing his feet, uh, his feet, their feet, sorry, not his feet. He washed their feet. He talked at length to them about what would happen after his death and, and he prayed for them. And he told them the things that they could hope in and wait for. And what would happen after his death and resurrection. You know what the whole time he was doing all these things for his disciples he knew in with just within a few hours he was going to be betrayed by one of them he was going to be denied by another one he was going to be deserted by almost all of them and yet he showed them love and care And why, how could he do this? Why would he do this? For this reason, the joy that was set before him. And, and let me just read to you what that is. Then one of the elders asked me in Revelation chapter 7, 13 to 17, he says, One of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is why Jesus could go to the cross for us. So that one day we can stand before him in our white robes. And proclaim his goodness and his mercy and his grace and his kindness and be a part of the marriage supper, the banquet that is prepared for us forever. Father, I thank you for inviting us into your space so we can be known and loved by you. Thank you for your endless provision for us in Jesus. Thank you for our spiritual, physical and emotional wholeness. Because you have done this for us, we ask Holy Spirit that you will convict us if we are not practicing kingdom hospitality And Lord, as we eat and drink this morning and reflect on Jesus, our priceless treasure and reward, I pray that you would orient our hearts to being generous hosts like you, our Father in heaven. Let's eat and drink as we remember Jesus. Now if you are here because someone invited you or you're considering spiritual things or because you're interested, maybe in finding out more about Jesus, you're not excluded from this invitation to be in God's space, to be loved and to be known by him to experience his provision and his care for you. So I would love just to invite you at the end of this service, just come and have a chat with me and and we can talk more. And maybe you have some questions and I can answer those questions. But let's stand to our feet. What we're going to do, I'm going to read a scripture over us and just a reminder and then perhaps we can sing the chorus of this song as as a, as a thank you to our Father. So I'm going to be reading from 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 7 to 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen.